Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the last man standing with loserpool.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and I want to start off by apologising because we should have released the podcast earlier this week. Ideally, we like to release them the day after a game. Unfortunately, that's not been possible for a number of reasons, none of which are your fault, and that's why I'm apologising. But we're back. The Chronicles of Aguna is back. Um still buzzing actually after that result at Stanford Bridge the other night and it's a little bit strange isn't it because you, when you think about it on the surface it was a draw and you know a club of Arsenal's size should always be looking to go into games and win them but I was ecstatic um, with the way Arsenal fought back into the game not just on one occasion but twice at Stanford Bridge the other night so we're going to begin by talking about that we're going to talk a little bit about the Danny Ceballos news today that he is uh, indeed seeking uh, termination of his loan at Arsenal he wants to go back to Spain he wants to play regular football uh, in order to enhance his chances of making the Spanish squad for the Euros in the summer. And then we're going to be looking briefly ahead to the FA Cup clash at Bournemouth on Monday night. So let's start off with the Chelsea game. For those of you who didn't see it, um, we have signed up to be broadcasters with the Hot Mic app, um, which is a fantastic app which allows you to listen to commentary live during games from your favourite podcasters, your favourite influencers, etc., etc. Um, big thanks to the guys over there for getting us on board, um, for reaching out, etc. Um, we had some great fun. I sat down with my mate Andy, who I watched quite a few games with, and we we just done it as though we were watching a game. There was no real professionalism to it. It was just more about um, being fans, having a beer with your mates and watching the game. And, you know, for those of you who are fed up of that traditional uh, commentary, you know, the likes of Steve McManaman on BT Sport, you can grind on your gears after a while, uh, old Steve. So it was nice to um, do something slightly different. And the fantastic thing about Hot Mike is that you can sync uh, the app with your TV. Uh, so if you hold the phone or whatever it is that you've got the app on in front of the TV and press the sync button, it will align the timings. You also get the sound effects from the crowd and all that stuff coming through the app. So you can essentially listen to us um, in time with your game and you don't have to necessarily uh, have your, uh, you know, you don't, when you normally watch a watch along or a stream, you're, you tend to be a little bit behind, but with this, you can sync it up. And if it doesn't quite find the sweet spot in terms of the sync, you can manually adjust it as well, which is great. And it's really, really easy. So do check the app out. It's hot mic. Um, if you want to, to join um, and catch us on the next game, if you sign up, you can use my promo code, which is Harry S. YM in capital letters. Uh, follow me as a broadcaster and you'll be able to pick up any future broadcasts that we do. So Arsenal started the game OK, I thought. Not not brilliant, but we weren't under a great deal of pressure. But sort of as the half went on, Chelsea started to turn the screw a little bit. They started to get more and more on top. And eventually uh, they forced, I don't want to say they forced an error out of Mustafi because there's no excuse for it. It was such a shocking back pass. But Chelsea were turning the screw. Chelsea were winning corner after corner after corner and starting to put some real pressure on Arsenal. And then Shkodran Mustafi has a Shkodran Mustafi moment and plays the ball um, back to Leno, but it was short. Tammy Abraham got on the end of it, took it around the goalkeeper. David Lewis brought him down. Chelsea were awarded a penalty. And at the time, I was really, really confused because I thought that there was a rule in place that said that if uh, you... If you take the player out and you're going to be shown a red card and the penalty is awarded, you can't have both. It's the triple punishment rule, which is you can't go a goal down, a man down 
and uh, be uh, awarded a penalty against you. Sorry. So I thought that rule was in place. I've since learned. I knew there was something like that in place, but I've since learned that in order for that to apply, they have to believe that you're making a genuine attempt to win the ball. And <laughs> David Lewis just took him out. Let's be honest. Um, but at that point, you're feeling as an Arsenal fan that this is a real mountain to climb now. We're going to really struggle here. And you're worried that it could turn into four or five. But to the, the players' credit, um, you know, they stuck with it. They worked really, really hard. Granite Xhaka moved into centre-half and was sensational. Now, I don't care how much you hate Granite Xhaka, whatever your opinion is of him. If you are an honest Arsenal fan and you're being true to yourself, you will acknowledge that Granite Xhaka had an extremely good game when he moved into centre-back, as did Shkodran Mustafi after the mistake, which makes it all the more frustrating that he makes these mistakes because he's shown that he can be a good central defender. He's shown that he can defend effectively, that he can make blocks, make tackles, get his head on the end of things. But it's those brain fart moments that have let Shkodran Mustafi down. And the problem is that you can't rely on him not to produce those moments in the biggest of games. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but what I will say, and this is not a defence of Shkod Mustafi, is that given the negativity that surrounds the player, that doesn't help going into these type of games. He's probably on his mind, you know, before he's even kicked the ball. Like, what if I make a mistake today? What criticism am I going to receive today? So in that sense, I think as fans, we don't necessarily help the situation. That's not to say um, that it's a free pass for Mustafi to do whatever he wants because he gets criticised for it. I just think that, it does play a part on his mind and I think it does have an impact in, in the mindset of Shkodran Mustafi when he goes out on a football pitch. Um, but to the credit of most, they've come out and, and spoken about how good he was after that incident, um, which is always positive. Now, Mikel Arteta was going to make a change just before half time, but he saw that Arsenal had a little period where we started to get on top and he didn't make that change. He held fire and he said after the game that it was because he didn't want to send the wrong message. And that's absolutely right, because he gave Arsenal the belief that they would they still had what it took to get back into this game. People were moaning about the fact that Mesut Ozil stayed on. For me, you need a player like Mesut Ozil even more when you're down to 10 men, not because he's unbelievable work rate that I'm going to pretend um, he has, but because his ability to hold the ball, his ability to recycle possession and keep the ball, it, it it really makes a difference. And when you're down to 10 men, you need the ball as much as possible because you need that breather. You can't be chasing shadows for 90 minutes. It will catch up on you. So Mesut Ozil's importance was shown there, in my opinion. And I think that's where Mikel Arteta was coming from when he left him on. And I agree with uh, I agreed with the decision and it proved to be the right one in the long term. Now, second half, um, Chelsea put a corner into the box, a brilliant header out from Mustafi. And then Gabriel Martinelli was on his bike. Gabriel Martinelli has to be the most ballsiest 18-year-old I've, I've seen in a long, long time. Probably since Cesc Fabregas broke onto the scene. The pace, the power. Got a little bit fortunate with N'Golo Kante slip. But once he got himself into that position, the calmness and the composure was that of a man well beyond his years. And that was really, really great to see. Um, the way he slotted it past Kepa was excellent. Nicolas Pepe had got up alongside him. It was almost as though Martinelli had one thing on his mind, tunnel vision. I'm going to score. And, and that's what he wanted to do. And that's what he eventually did. And it was so great to see that not only the ruthlessness of, of the youngster in front of goal, but the desire and the directness to just drive forward. And he drove on a few occasions. Um, 
you know, in towards the, the Chelsea penalty box. He wasn't afraid to go into duels with Cesar Azpilicueta. He's a fantastic defender. A couple of times where he received the ball wide and his first thought was to drive into the box. That's what you want to see from your players. You want to see that directness and the fearlessness that comes with being an 18-year-old. And with young players, it's always one way or the other. They're either completely fearless, don't give a shit about reputations and go out there um, to make an impact. Or they're the complete opposite and they're shy and they're scared and they're worried. But Gabriel Martinelli, for me, showed... um, what we've seen all season from him, really, that this guy is ready. He is ready. And do I think he should be starting every week? Probably not just because of his age. Um, and you don't want to burn these players out. But in terms of his ability, is he ready? Yeah, absolutely. And for me, he's ahead of the likes of Reese Nelson in those positions. Uh, and, you know, he's making a real case uh, to get that starting position week in, week out. People talk about Lacazette's dropping off in form. And I agree with them to an extent, but I thought Lacazette worked really, really hard for the team the other night. It's not easy um, playing up there on your own, particularly when your team goes down to 10 men, you become even more isolated. So uh, a shout out to Alexander Lacazette as well, because I thought he was um, very important to the team the other night. Lucas Torreira was immense in the middle of the park, um, doing what we signed him to do, which is break up play, which is to fight, to battle, um, to really make it difficult for for opponents. And, you know, there was criticism of Lucas Torreira during the back end of Unai Emery's tenure. And that was because Unai Emery kept playing him in these more advanced roles. And it just didn't make sense. It was really frustrating to see because we could all see that actually that was not what we wanted from from, uh, Lucas Torreira. We wanted to see the tenacious Lucas Torreira that we'd seen play for Uruguay in the World Cup just a few months before. That was the player we wanted to see, um, or just a year before, I should say. So, yeah, some real positives. I thought the two fullbacks, once again, were excellent, Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Bukayo Saka. And again, you've got to consider that they're not fullbacks. They are not fullbacks whatsoever. Um, But they're filling in and they're doing really good jobs in the roles. And Bukayo Saka and Ainsley Maitland-Niles are taking it as opportunities to get themselves into the starting 11 whether their long-term future lays there I don't know and we're not necessarily sure at this point but you know you've got to give props to the pair of them and there's a few comments coming through big hello to those of you that are watching us live and of course to those who do listen to this back later um Tommy says fantastic fight showed by the players hats off to them Chris disagrees with me and says Ozil can't keep the ball to be honest he's passing backwards anyway leading to dispossession I disagree with you mate I think that Mesut Ozil is, is one of our better players at keeping the ball. And Frank Lampard himself in the post-match press conferences said that one of the big problems Chelsea were having was coping with Mesut Ozil's position and the positions that he was taking up. Football's not just as simple as some people make it out. Sometimes just making your opponent think twice about something is enough to unnerve him, is enough to unsettle him. And Frank Lampard made that point that he was concerned by the positions Ozil was picking the ball up in because particularly when we had 11 men, if Ozil pops up on the left, pops up on the right and it doesn't impact you defensively, you then have a situation where he and Pepe or he and Martinelli are doubling up on the fullback and that becomes a real, real problem for opponents. So I would encourage you maybe to just to watch him again um, watch him take up those positions again. I agree that Mesut Ozil hasn't been fantastic of late. Um, I'm not saying that for a minute, 
but I'd certainly rather have him in the side than a Joe Willock at the moment in that role. That's my opinion. Um, you may disagree and that's absolutely fine, but if you want him out and you want Willock in or you want Sabios in, let me know your reasons why in the comments. I'll be interested uh, to uh, to hear those. Now, in terms of the, the overall performance, look, it, it was a spirited, spirited display. And Hector Bellerin, I've left him till last because he deserves the biggest shout out of them all. Because Hector Bellerin has, for me, has for me proven what a bit of heart and a bit of spirit can do. Having been out for so long, you know, there were question marks over his fitness. Mikel Arteta hasn't brought him into the side for a while, despite him being in training. It was as if Mikel Arteta was waiting to, for him to be 100% ready. And my word, was he ready? Because he came in and he was magnificent, I thought, throughout the game. Never looked rusty. And, of course, made the telling contribution in the end with that fantastic equaliser. It was one of those situations where he sort of got the ball in the corner of the penalty area and you're expecting him to put one of those sort of lacklustre chips into the far post. And, you know, it's just going to either end up in the goalkeeper's arms or, or go out for a goal kick harmlessly. But when he shifted it onto his left foot, he looked up, nothing was on. And he thought, why not? Let's have a go. And we've seen Bellerin score goals like that before with the inside of his left foot, just starts it out wide and sort of bends it into that far corner. And, and uh, Kepa Aretha Balaga had absolutely no chance of stopping that. So uh, credit to, to Hector Bellerin. And, and you could see what it mean to what it meant, sorry, not only to the players, not only to Hector Bellerin, but to the travelling away fans who were magnificent. Um, on Tuesday night. There's been lots of uh, comments about them on social media over the last couple of days, and I have to agree, um, they were fantastic. And, and a big shout-out to every single one who attended who was lucky enough to be in that end when that uh, dramatic equaliser went in. It's a positive result. And people will sit there now and probably say, you know, yeah, it's a draw. Seem to be getting too many draws. But is Mikel Arteta taking us forward? I would argue that he is. And this is for a number of reasons. I think, number one, he's managed to increase the intensity and the desire with which Arsenal play, which should be basics in football. But they were obviously not there uh, towards the back of Unai Emery's time. So that's one thing. He's managed to restore confidence in some of our players who were no doubt struggling for it. The likes of Granit Xhaka, the likes of Ainsley Maitland-Niles, even Socrates when he's played. David Lewis um, looks a different player under Mikel Arteta. So He's managed to restore confidence in some of those players and he's made us difficult to beat. Now, we are literally small margins away from turning those draws into wins. And as frustrating as it's been, we're closer to victories than we are to defeats at the moment. I know that maybe doesn't make sense, but you've got to look at it. It's a glass that's half full. Arsenal have become more difficult to beat. Arsenal have become more intense. Arsenal have become more organised. So for me... Those are the positives. The glass is half full rather than half empty. Those people who say we've only picked up two wins in seven games that Mikel Arteta has been in charge. That's how I see it. Um, just my take on it. Again, you guys feel free to let me know in the comments your thoughts on it. But I think we're on the right path. I think Mikel Arteta is the right man. I think it's going to be a long and arduous task getting Arsenal uh, back to where they belong and restoring this club back to its former glories. But for the time being, I'm confident uh, in Mikel Arteta, based on what I've seen so far. And that's all we can base it on because he doesn't have any previous managerial experience. So all we can base it on is, is what we've seen from Mikel Arteta. But he's been there, what, 34, 35 days? And the improvement is there. So for me, I'm confident that by the end of the season, 
we will see enough improvement. And with the right business in the summer, it's always a massive if around whether Arsenal will, will go out and do the business that is necessary. I think Arsenal could challenge for the top four next season. I think we're not out of it this season, given the way the teams around us are performing and the fact that if we put a little run together, we could be right up there again. But I just think it might be beyond us this year. Um, let's talk about Danny Ceballos, a player who's recently returned from injury but hasn't been uh, selected as of yet by Mikel Arteta. And there's reports today suggesting that the Spaniard has uh, inquired uh, with Real Madrid as to whether or not they can terminate the loan deal um, that he currently has with Arsenal, it, whether that means him going back there or going somewhere else to get more regular game time because he's concerned about his place in the Spanish squad ahead of the European Championships this summer. Now, I get that. Um, you know, if you're you're lucky enough to play for your country, you want to, of course, um, you know, be involved in those sort of tournaments. And I totally get why Danny Ceballos may be feeling this way. But what I would say is Danny Sabas has been out for two months, the best part of two months injured. If he thought he was just going to waltz straight back into the team, then, you know, I think he's he's wrong. He's sadly mistaken. Did Danny Sabas do enough when he was fit to be that player, to be that player that returns to fitness and gets drafted straight back into the team to make way for somebody who's playing well? I don't think so. I don't think Danny Sabas has shown enough yet. That's not to say he's not a talented player. I think he is a very talented footballer. But under Unai Emery, he didn't flourish. And I don't know if Mikel Arteta is looking at it from this mindset. He's maybe thinking the likelihood of Danny Ceballos staying at Arsenal beyond this summer it is very low. The fee that Real Madrid are going to demand is not something that Mikel Arteta and Arsenal would be willing to put on the table. Therefore, is he better served by playing the likes of Willock in order to try and develop them in order to be assets to his side next season? I think maybe Mikel Arteta is looking at it from that point of view. And that's why Danny Ceballos, uh, you know, hasn't had a look in. But there is a flip side to that. And the flip side is that if Mikel Arteta feels that Danny Ceballos has the quality to help us achieve our targets this season, then he's got to play. So it'd be interesting to know the manager's take on that. We're never going to know because he's not going to come out and he's not going to say, I do like him or I don't like him or whatever. Um, you know, we'll just have to second guess on that. But that's my view on it. I think that maybe Mikel Arteta has the longer term future in mind. And that is why he is reluctant to pick the likes of Danny Ceballos over some of the players that he truly believes will be at this club next season. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Um, of course, Arsenal take on Bournemouth on Monday night in the FA Cup. Um, it's an FA Cup tie. It's a competition that we traditionally do well in. It's a competition that means a great deal to us as supporters. To me in particular, um, I've had some great memories of going to FA Cup finals and semi-finals and all that down the years. So it's a competition that means a lot, but there's no doubt in recent years it's lost its spark, it's lost its magic. And that's because of the importance of European football nowadays from a couple of standpoints, from the, the status standpoint, which allows you to get players in, which allows um, people to see you as a more attractive proposition, but also from a financial standpoint. And, and from the club's point of view, qualifying for a UEFA Champions League is far more beneficial from a financial standpoint, than it is to win the FA Cup. That's just the way it is. That, that's just the way of modern football. And people don't like it. I don't like it. But we have to accept it. 
That is is the direction in which football is traveling. And therefore, you can understand why owners, managers, coaches, players prioritize European qualification and European competition over the likes of the FA Cup. So do I think that this is a priority? I think that at this moment in time, the Europa League has to be our priority because that offers us a direct route back into the Champions League. But the FA Cup gives us an opportunity to string a run of form together. And, and the reason I say that is habits um, are, are really important in football. A goalkeeper has to have certain habits. Coming out and catching the ball is a habit. Um, covering your near post is a habit. If you're a striker, scoring goals is a habit. If you're a midfielder, um, recycling possession is a habit. Closing people down is a habit. And winning is a habit too. And if Mikel Arteta believes Arsenal have a good chance of winning this game, which I think we do, you know, Bournemouth got a good result of the weekend, but Bournemouth have struggled this season. We've had, um, you know, it's a Tuesday to Monday. It's, it's a pretty good turnaround time in terms of the players recovering. I think he's got to go for it. I would go for it because I think if you can get wins with every win that Arsenal pick up, the confidence levels pick up too. And that's really, really important because Arsenal are a team who have been really down on their confidence throughout this season for a number of reasons, which we're not going to go into again. But confidence is key and winning is a habit. And if Arsenal feel that stringing a run in the FA Cup is going to put them in a good position to um, progress and, and give those players a morale boost, then I'm all for Mikel Arteta taking it seriously and picking his strongest 11. That's what I would do. It's not to say it's what Mikel Arteta is going to do, but that's my view on it. In terms of uh, incoming transfers, it's quite quiet um, in terms of rumours at the moment. And... I don't like the January window. I think it's horrible. I think it's um, it's unnecessary. I think it um, can unsettle players. And, and as a coach, it must be a, a fucking nightmare because we hear coaches talking about, you know, the fact that they don't even like the fact that, or they didn't like previously that the transfer window rumbled on into the beginning of the season. And this is a mid-season window. So I assume they probably take the same issues with it. Um but I just don't like it. I, I, I don't think that it's easy to do business. I think when you look at the players that are available, the clubs are from fear of not being able to replace them automatically at a premium onto their fee. And I think unless there's someone that you really, really want and you see them as a, a long term, um, you know, sort of addition to your squad, I don't think it's worth panic buying. Um, we're not in a relegation fight like some clubs. And if you, if that's the case, if you are scraping for your life, then I get why you'd want to add players. But from Arsenal's point of view, if it means that we'll have more in the kitty for the summer and we'll be able to go and get the, the number one targets and the players that we really, really do want, then I'm OK with that. Um, I'm OK with Arsenal not doing any business. I think the loss of Callum Chambers has probably made Mikel Arteta think twice about taking that stance. I think that as much as the club are saying that they are looking, I believe that unless something really, really good and really, really obvious comes up, then I don't think there'll be uh, any moves in this January transfer window. So I wouldn't get too carried away with that. Could be wrong. Of course, don't take my word as gospel because it isn't by any means. Um, but that's just sort of my my uh, thoughts on it at the moment. Let's have a look at some of your comments uh, in the live chat before we wrap it up. Uh, just bringing that up on my screen so I can have a quick look. Um, here we go. Let's have a look. So uh, where, we, where are we? Here we go. Um, 
scroll a little bit further back to see what you guys have been saying. Um, Omar says, Sabios isn't good enough. I, I I tend to agree with you on the one hand, Omar, in the sense that I don't think he's good enough to just waltz back into the team. I don't think he's good enough uh, to for Mikel Arteta not to have to think about it and to be a, a guaranteed starter. But I do think he has the quality. Um, I just think that maybe a low move maybe wasn't the right thing for Arsenal offer him. Uh, Tommy says some really positive things being shown on the field since Arteta came. I really hope the owner backs him in the transfer market, especially in the summer. I think that's a great point, mate. The summer uh, is the priority. Uh, Brad Richardson asks, Harry, what's your front four when Oba is back? My front four when Oba is back would be, um, at this moment in time, it's got to be, people might disagree with this, but for me, Ozil in the number 10 role, um, Gabriel Martinelli on the left, Pepe on the right, and Aubameyang through the middle. I think we're wasting Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang playing him out on the left. I think that Alexander Lacazette has got ability, has a lot to offer, but I just think he's been out of sorts of late, so I'll take him out the firing line for a little bit. Um, so that would be my front four when everybody's fit. Um, of course, while Aubameyang is out, then Lacazette will play, and rightly so. Um, Pratik says, what's even the target this season? I think the target is to to steadily improve. And if we can sneak into the Champions League via the Europa League or via a last-minute dash for the top four, then great. But for me, the, the, the main objective has to be to improve. I don't expect Arsenal to qualify for, for the UCL. If we're not going to qualify for it, though, I'd rather not qualify for the Europa League either. Um, that way we don't have to play Thursday, Sunday. We're not the last to play every week. We don't have the horrible schedule that comes with being involved in that competition. So um, that's my take on that. Um, Graham Sutherland said, Harry, Ozil is a complete waste. Let's get Willock in because he can't do worse in terms of goals and assists, can he? In terms of goals and assists, you've got a case, my friend. Um, Mesa Ozil hasn't hasn't delivered goals, hasn't delivered assists of late, but he does keep things ticking, in my opinion. And, and I don't think Willock's the answer either. I think for the time being, I still think Ozil's a better player than him. And, and so that's what I would do. I would leave Mr. Ozil in. But that's my view. Doesn't mean it's right. I'm not saying that for a second. And you guys make some great points, which, of course, I love to hear. Um, what else have we got here? Let's have a look. Um, Rahul says, why players like Holding Chambers and Hector getting injured constantly? I think Chambers' one was really, really unfortunate. And Chambers' problem is uh, the type of problem that we see all too regularly in football now, those knee injuries. And I, I don't know why we keep seeing them. Um, there's been such an increase in them of late. In terms of Hector Bellerin and, and Rob Holding, they were out for such a long time that there were always going to be setbacks in their recovery. And I thought it was naive, actually, to go into the season relying on those two, given that they'd been out for so long and given that both of them were always going to have these setbacks. Bellerin in particular is quite an injury-prone player and we should have anticipated that he wasn't going to be fit right away, that he was going to have setbacks. And in my opinion, Arsenal should have gone and got a right-back in the summer. But that's a that's a, uh, that's a a debate for another day. I've said it time and time again. Uh, let's have a look at a couple of your questions uh, on Twitter that came through earlier on today. Um, Paps the Guna says, is Martinelli unlucky to 
to miss out on the Ballon d'Or? And is it wrapped up for next year already? I think he's very unlucky. And I think if he scores a few more goals like the one he did at Chelsea uh, the other night, he'll uh, he'll be up there in no time. Uh, what else have we got here? Graham says, just what is so good about Arteta apart from his press conferences? Oh, it's a strong view, Graham. It's a really, really strong view. I said it at the top of the of the stream and, and I, you'll be sure to go back and check that out um, when you get a chance. But just to quickly summarise, um, I think he's brought an intensity. I think he's restored belief to some players. I think he's made us more difficult to beat and we're far more organised. And I think when the players get to the fitness level that's required and completely understand what it is, cut out some of those bad habits, I think we will see a real upturn in, in results. Like I said earlier on, I believe that Arsenal are closer to victories at the moment than they are, as, than they are to defeats. I think we've been un, slightly unfortunate and individual mistakes have cost us. But until Mikel Arteta can get those players out and replace them, that, that's kind of always going to crop up. Um, Graham says, love the commentary the other night, Harry. Keep that up. Thank you very much, mate. Don't forget to check that out. You can find it. You can watch it back. Um, on this channel, you can watch back the little highlights reel as well if you can't be asked to listen to the whole thing. And I don't blame you if you're not, because it's a good two hours. Um, but yeah, check it out um, and stay posted to my Twitter feed at Harry Simu. And you, I'll let you know when we're doing the next one and you can come and join us. Like I said, download the Hot Mic app, sign up using the promo code Harry, S-Y-M with a cap, uh, all in caps, and you'll be able to sync my commentary um, to your TV uh, when watching any televised game, unless I'm at the game, in which case I won't be doing it. But yeah, away games, we'll be trying to do as many as possible. So uh, check those out. Uh, big hello to Egal Ibrahim. He says, hey, Harry, keep up the good work, mate. It's good to see we are linked to a centre-back today. But do you see anybody coming in this window? Unfortunately, I don't see any significant business being done in this window, my friend. Um, and I think that's probably the smarter way uh, of approaching the window. It's one of those windows where... If something comes up, if a player becomes available that we think can add to the squad, and I know I probably sound like Mikel Arteta here, then we should and we would, I'd hope, do it. But in just for the sake of going out and signing someone, I don't necessarily think that we should be desperate to bring someone in in this transfer window. I think you're always going to have injuries as part and parcel of football. You can't always plan um, and you could end up essentially with an overload of players. And then later on, you've got a problem shifting them off again. And we've had that problem for years and years and years. So, um, you know, I'm OK with Arsenal biding their time. If the right deal comes along, let's do it. But if it doesn't, then wait until the summer and strengthen him properly. Um, massive thank you to every single one of you who's tuned in live and to those uh, who are watching this back on the playback or listening via the audio. Um, once again, apologies for not bringing you enough content over the last few days. But as you can imagine, in the life of a football writer, the January window is the busiest bloody time. And I've literally been working all the hours under the sun um, these past couple of weeks and a few personal bits and pieces going on as well. So I do do apologize. And I promise you, we'll be bringing you more content on this channel. If you don't already hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, follow us on Twitter at Chronicles underscore AFC. And we'll be back very, very soon with more. Going to leave you with a brief message from our sponsors, Loserpool, and we'll be back very soon. Ciao.